Heavenly Father, we pray that you would teach us now. That you would help us to know how to live. How to please you. Father, we pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit. To help us to live for you. And to bring glory to your Son, our Saviour. Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever found yourself driving off the beaten track? There are no signposts. There's grass up the middle of the road. And you come to a crossroads. You haven't a clue where you are. You have to decide what to do, what turn to take. I think that was my experience for the first year in Fermanagh. You don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn, so how do you make your choice? Do you just pick one at random? Do you take the road that looks the nicest? Do you follow your intuition? It's one thing if you're out for a Sunday afternoon drive. You're just exploring and you know that sooner or later you'll come back to a main road with signposts and you'll you'll know roughly where you are and you can find your way home. But it's different if you're on your way to someone's house for dinner and you don't quite know the way and you're late and you're lost you'd need some direction where do I turn where do I go as we travel through life we're faced with all sorts of decisions about all sorts of things some people uh, decide and make their choice depending on whatever makes them feel good Whatever I think will bring me most happiness is what I will choose to do. You pay your money and take your chance. But Christians want to know what God's will for their life is. And sometimes, in particular, younger Christians have those big life choices to make. And they they struggle to know what God's will is, who to marry, what job to take, where to live, who to socialise with. Sometimes we get so worked up about knowing God's will for every detail of our lives. There are books upon books in Christian bookshops, uh, how to know God's will. But in our reading today, Paul gives us what God's will is for our life. And in this passage, it's not complicated. But working it out might not always be easy. So if you have it open, page 201 in our Pew Bibles. And when you have it open, look at verse 3. Paul says, for this is the will of God, 
your sanctification. God's will is our sanctification. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know because I was thinking it too. What does that mean? Sanctification is one of those um, churchy words that, you know, sounds great and sounds as if, yeah, we should be up for that. But what does it mean? What does it actually look like? Well, it simply means the process of becoming more holy. And holiness, as we have in our passages, is being set apart. So God's will for us is to be set apart for him. In probably nearly every house, you have something that is holy. Although maybe less so these days with all the healthy eating advice that you get from uh, doctors and, and so on. But normally in every house, you have something that is holy, something that is set apart. So picture your kitchen. And you probably have a sugar bowl. You mightn't take sugar yourself, but you have it just in case a visitor needs sugar in their tea. And if you have a sugar bowl and sugar in it, then you probably have a spoon in the sugar bowl. Is that right? Yeah, you have a spoon in the sugar bowl. And whenever you give the sugar bowl to someone and they you know, take a spoon of sugar, what are they not allowed to do? Absolutely. You're not allowed to lift the this, this sugar, put it into the teacup, stir it, and then put it back in the sugar bowl. Isn't that right? Yeah. My, one of my grannies used to get really annoyed when someone dipped it in the tea and then back in the sugar bowl. Because you get that kind of crust on the, on the spoon and you get the wee brown lumps of sugar that aren't really very nice. You see, the sugar spoon is holding. It's set apart for lifting the sugar and dropping it into the bowl, into the, the tea. You're not allowed to use it. You could use it. It looks like all the other spoons in the drawer. You could use it to eat your cereal with or anything else. But that is holy. That's set apart. For only lifting the sugar and dropping it in. You see we know what holiness is. We just don't realise that we know it. In the same way, we are holy. We are set apart for God. You see, there are lots of things that we could do. We look just like the people in the world all around us. But we are set apart for what God wants. Back at the end of chapter 3, you might remember this from a fortnight ago when we were at last in Thessalonians. Paul had prayed in verses 11 to 13. And 11 and 12 looked back 
to the first part of the letter, to the things that he had been talking about, his desire to come and see them again, his love for them and, and, and their love for one another. And then in verse 13 he prayed this, And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul has prayed for their holiness. He now shows them how to be holy. At the start of chapter 4, he reminds them when he was with them that he had told them how to please God. And they have been doing it. But now they should do it more and more. But remember that this isn't a 10 step program to make you acceptable to God. This isn't follow these steps and you'll earn your way into heaven. This letter is written to Christians who have already turned to God from idols. So this is how we are to live when we are saved. Not how to live to be saved. So what does holiness look like for the believer? What is God's will for our sanctification? Paul breaks it down into three parts which follow on from each other. And the first is there in verse 3. Paul says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, your becoming holy, that you abstain from fornication. Newer versions use the words sexual immorality. The word that Paul uses is pornea, from which we get pornography. And that word is any sexual activity outside of marriage. Any sexual activity outside of marriage. Christians are to be set apart for God by being set apart for their husband or their wife or in the absence of a spouse to be celibate. That's what Paul says. Holiness is abstaining from sexual immorality. And following on from that. And in order to do that. We're called to know how to control your own body. In holiness and honour. Not with lustful passion. Like the Gentiles who do not know God. You see the world. Will be different. It burns with lustful passion as in clear in so many ways around us but we're called to be different we're called to control our bodies in holiness and in honour you're not responsible for what someone else does but you are responsible for yourself Paul says, be self-controlled, which is one of the fruit 
of the Spirit. Take control of yourself if certain situations or certain people or certain TV programs or certain internet sites cause you to stumble, then deal with it. Avoid it. Be controlled. Thirdly, Paul says in verse 5, sorry, verse 6, that no one wrongs or exploits a brother or sister in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. A few years ago, we celebrated the 200th anniversary of the ending of the slave trade by William Wilberforce. You might have seen the film, Is It Amazing Grace? It's called about how the slave trade was ended. And yet today, human trafficking continues. Even in Northern Ireland, women have been brought from other parts of the world to work in the sex industry. Exploitation continues. <coughs> We're called to be different. That call is expressed in verse 7. For God did not call us to impurity, but in holiness. You see, God didn't call us and save us for us to say yes to lustful passions and impurity. He has set us apart for himself. You see, this is God's will. This isn't something that Paul made up or Paul dreamed up because he had a certain thing against sex. This is God's call. So if we disagree with this, if we, if we refuse to live in this way, then we're not rejecting human authority. We're rejecting God's authority. The one who made us. The one who knows us. His holy will calls us and wants us to be holy and separate and different. We're called to be holy by saying no to lust. And that leads us to ask the serious question, where do we get our values from? Whose approval do we seek? Whose pleasure are we living for? Is it our own? Is it the world's? Or is it God's? As Paul writes to the Corinthians, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now if we're serious about doing this, if we really want to live according to God's will 
we need to ask ourselves what things will need to change. Who might you need to step back from? What do you need to stop watching or thinking about or doing? God's will is for us to be holy by saying no to lust. At the same time, God also wants us to say yes to love. Look at verse 9. We're getting into the season now of school reports. Now we're all different, but most of us probably had some things that we were good at. And other things that the comment from the teacher was, must do better. My art was always, must do better. Well look at verse 9. Paul says that in uh, verse 9, Now concerning love of the brothers and sisters, the Thessalonians were top of the class. You do not need to have anyone write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. Top of the class. You know it. You've been taught by God, but even more importantly, you not just know it, you also do it. It's amazing then how Paul continues in verse 10. You're top of the class, but keep going more and more. He says, but we urge you, beloved, to do so more and more. But it might not be how we would expect for loving one another. Okay, imagine I stopped you in the street, we're doing a survey, and I say, to love one another, you would fill in the blank. I don't think you'd come up with what Paul says in verse uh, 11. To aspire to live quietly. To mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we directed you. This is how Paul describes loving one another in this context. You see it seems that in Thessalonica some people were expecting Jesus to return any day. And if Jesus is about to return then why bother working? Why not just enjoy your last few days and 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 welcome him back. And why bother working if other people are working and they can support you and sustain you. And you can live off their generosity. But Paul says that the loving thing to do is to get on with your own work. If you're able. So that outsiders won't be disgraced by your actions. And so that you're not dependent on anyone else. God's will is that we say yes to love. So how can we grow 
in love for one another? What are the ways we can love each other so that those watching on can say, see how these Christians love one another. See the way they're so generous. See the way they support one another. You might remember when we started off today. We were in those wee country roads with no signposts and we were facing a decision. Would we turn left or right or go straight ahead? When we're going to a friend's house, we'll have their directions. As we come to decisions in our lives, as we choose what way to live and and how to spend our time and all those things, As we choose which way to go, we have God's directions. This guiding principle, God's will, is for us to become more holy as we say no to lust and yes to love. Friends, we're on a lifelong journey. The road to holiness is not quick it's not always easy we'll sometimes take wrong turns we'll make foolish decisions we'll even find ourselves at the same junction a few times but God's will is for us to be holy He loves us. He bought us with a price. The price that we remember as we come to the table today. And so God will do everything to make us holy. He is guiding us and restoring us and forgiving us when we mess up and encouraging us to keep going. And to keep going his way. And he will bring us home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are holy. We thank you that you love us just as we are. But that you, Lord, don't want us to stay that way. Help us to know your will. Stir our hearts to obey it. As we make decisions. As we follow in your footsteps. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.